1: Dmitri Filipovic. Welcome to the Hockey PDO cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy Sarah Sivian. Sarah, what's going on?
0: Not much, not much. Just got back from Boston into Raleigh, and now I'm ready to <laughs> continue this coverage of this team how
1: are you i feel like you're really <laughs> that was a pretty
0: uh, you're,
1: intro. <laughs> i feel like you're really uh underselling the uh the season that's going on right now with the uh with the not much i mean i was trying to i was making a list and i was oh, prepping God, a all the stuff everything. that's happening i know it's it's uh i mean what's your what's your favorite part is it the uh how they pissed off don cherry and brian burke or is it uh evander Holyfield knocking out john jordan Martinook or uh the bunch of jerks t-shirts i mean there's so many things to choose from so far
0: I think it's the actual hockey, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I love the way these Canes play. I like the um, never quit, never say die kind of attitude. They've only had like three games where they haven't played like what their identity is now. And they've won pretty much two of them. So it's it's kind of crazy. But um, it's some weird, fascinating hockey going on right now.
1: I'm glad you brought up that identity because this feels a bit bittersweet for me because for the past couple of years, I feel like um... – You know, myself and a bunch of nerds out there as well were like talking this team up and, and we're referencing their great five on five stats and talking about how like, you know, if they get just a bit more luck, if they get a save finally from a goalie or if some of these shots start going in, this is going to be a team to really, uh, keep an eye out for. And then this summer, for whatever reason, I feel like. Part of it was after that Jeff Skinner trade might have, might have been Tom Dundon's kind of early initial comments where he was talking about this team, like prioritizing grit and grind and and, and, and all this stuff. I was like, uh, I don't know, maybe I should kind of get off this quarter and sell a little bit of my hurricane stock. And then finally, after years and years of uh, being disappointed by them, I get off that quarter and they blow up and become the most exciting story in the league. So there you go.
0: Of course. Hockey makes no sense. But uh, people are calling this the nerd victory lap. And um, Dom stuck to his model and Manny and all the folks out there kind (laughs) of retweeting their old tweets from like months ago that they I think Manny had one that the Hurricanes are the best offensive team in the last decade. And they weren't scoring goals for like five games and now they cannot stop scoring goals. So he keeps retweeting it. (laughs)
1: yeah uh, well, i remember um one of my first articles for ESPN back in like early december was i was talking about teams that were a bit unlucky or were set to get better and the hurricanes at that time were shooting under like seven percent or something as a team which uh, would have been yeah. a, a historically bad rate and obviously 6.4%. they've kind of, yeah no they've come back they've come back down to earth in the, op- in the opposite in the positive direction for them and now they're scoring goals like it seems like four or five a night and obviously combine that with the goaltending and we've got something good cooking here i don't know like what's the uh what's the vibe like because i've really enjoyed following hurricanes twitter it's a very lively bunch i feel like they're along for this ride and finally kind of uh, enjoying this moment after all the years of suffering and disappointment but are, are people finally allowing themselves to buy in and get excited by this team or is there still a little bit of that kind of hesitation of like i don't know i've been burned so many times before that i'm gonna slow play this a little bit
0: There's still that and you can see them kind of getting excited and then being like, oh, it's still a long race. This is still a tight race, et cetera, et cetera. But it's funny the power of even slightly above league average goaltending because – People are like, oh, they're now they're getting lucky, and then it's like, oh, wait, this is what it's like when a goaltender makes saves like in a timely fashion. So it's funny to see them kind of winning games they shouldn't, maybe, and then they're like, oh, they don't. The team doesn't have to work ten times harder than any other team. Like sometimes they just need a good goalie in net, and like they can't believe it. And I think that's been lovely and hilarious to experience. But I think, I mean, there's all different. Stages of Hurricanes fandom. And um, I think some people are just enjoying this ride for whatever it is, because even if they don't make the playoffs, it's just I mean, obviously, with the storm surge and with the guys in this group, um, uh, the atmosphere here is awesome. And I think playoffs are not. Brenda Moore is kind of bringing in a new era.
1: Yeah. I mean, that goaltending, I think that's probably a good place for us to, I guess, start this conversation. Because, you know, I've been a fan of Petr Mrazek for years, and I thought that uh, that was a good gamble from them, especially for a one-year deal. He had a lot of obviously to play for, and it was a good bet for them to make. I I didn't see this Curtis Mackley anything coming by any means, where he's having a (laughs) career year at whatever age he's at right now. But, I mean, you're right. Like, if you look at it for years... That was the whole story. It's like, can they please just finally get a save and maybe some of this possession can matter? And they were pretty much either like 27th, 28th, 29th, or 30th in save percentage at both 5 and 5 and overall for five straight years. And then now they're in the top half with this kind of ragtag group and if you told me at the start of the year that they were having this performance I would have been like okay well maybe Scott Darling finally lived up to their potential and put it all together mm-hmm. and instead it's like no it's a pretty even split between Curtis McElhinney and Petr Mrazek and both guys are on our one-year deals and both guys are kind of killing it I guess M- McElhinney more than Mrazek but Mrazek's had that kind of boomer bust potential of his where when he's on he's really really on and he's stealing games for them
0: yeah, and Mrazik has played in front of when the uh, Hurricanes PK was terrible. So I think that kind of goes along with it. And I also think he's gotten progressively better as the season goes on. He makes the, he looks like, like Lilo and Stitch. He looks like Stitch sometimes out there, like <laughs> literally doing backflips. And I'm like, how are you doing this? And then McElwain, like the calmest, but it's funny how it's different. And it. um, I also think there needs to be credit for Mike Bales, who was the Penguins um, goalie coach. And now he's, and he like, Helped marc Andre Fleury, and now he's here, and he makes the calls. Like Brendan barely doesn't really worry about it because uh, Bales has it under control, and he basically picks which goaltender is appropriate for which night, and like just kind of assesses it. And I think he's done an excellent job. And I think, um, I mean, Don Waddell told me in the beginning of the season that Mrazek called him and said before his agent could get to him, and said, "I just want a one-year deal for cheap, not as much money as I probably." would have got, but I want to prove that I can be the number one guy. And then, um, when Darling got injured, they picked up, McElhinney just happened to be on waivers, picked him up, and they held three goalies for a really long time. And then it was clear that Darling, it just wasn't working out. So they decided they would keep McElhinney. And like, that's obviously kind of an unexpected gamble and a weird call you have to make, but it couldn't have worked out better. They keep joking that they have like a leaderboard where they're, um, comparing shutouts and I'm just like I listened to him say that a week ago and I'm like oh my god the Carolina Hurricanes goalie <laughs> like it's crazy
1: yeah no it's nuts and obviously I mean this is a, a great situation for them. And I think one they probably didn't envision heading into the year and now they have two guys playing this well and, and both guys are on the one-year deal so I'm fascinated to see I guess you know there's still enough time left in the season and we'll see how uh, both the regular season and a potential playoff berth plays out but It'll be fascinating to see how they approach that in terms of whether they reward one or both of these guys for the years they've had, whether they keep them long term, whether they go elsewhere. I mean, the goalie market isn't particularly uh, flush with talent this summer. There's Sergey Bobrovsky, obviously, and I guess Jimmy Howard, but otherwise, it seems like kind of retaining some of these guys and bringing them back just based on the success they've had, especially with the goalie coach there, as you mentioned, might be the way to go. And yeah, it's crazy that we're talking about this. The Hurricanes have uh, all of a sudden a bunch of goalie options and things are looking good in it. It's, it's, it's a wild ride compared to where they've been the past few years.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've heard that the Canes were like inquiring about um, Howard and Bobrovsky, Mm -hmm. but of course they're going to inquire about like every goaltender, see what's up. But I've also heard they're not going to make, any decisions about pretty much anything now until the playoff push is over because come on here we are it's like it's been glorious all the games have been so fun and so exciting and like just the way the team plays for each other it just feels kind of different i don't know how to explain it really but it's it's pretty different
1: Were you were you surprised covering the team that they didn't really make any moves at deadline obviously michael furland was uh, like a big topic of discussion and i'm sure they were fielding plenty of calls on them and and i guess apparently no one really kind of blew them away otherwise they probably would have dealt him as an as an impending ufa but it felt like sort of with jordan stall coming back from the injury list and then the need on rider trade it felt like those were kind of their two big acquisitions even though they didn't necessarily do anything the actual day of
0: I mean, when you're making the GM of the other team cry like a baby, cry himself to sleep at night, <laughs> I think, like, that's your trade. <laughs> and that's what, what Dell basically said. He he was just like, yeah, I mean, obviously we're always looking to make our team better. And they, it came down to the wire with Furland, 10 minutes to go at the deadline. They decided um, they didn't either get a big enough return or that's just their guy. And they, they the locker room is really working right now, and I know it's cliche, but... they didn't want to take something out that would ruin that. And I mean, you saw it in the first what 10 minutes of the game last night, but that's the kind of hit that a hurricane hasn't dished out in years. So that kind of stuff is, And intangible that if they're going to make a playoff run, which they clearly are, uh, which is, it's just kind of wild that that worked out. But, uh, well, wild because, you know, but.
1: (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah, that was
0: the trade. And I know they have a lot of defensemen that are kind of redundant, but the market, just like, there was a lot of people in the market, but I don't think it was that great. So I think if they're going to deal one of them, they're going to wait till the off season where like the market kind of expands more for what they're looking for.
1: Yeah, I mean the the Nino Niederreiter trade was such a home run, and, and we can get into that a little bit. But you know, you're mentioning earlier how the, people are taking a victory lap and they're retweeting old tweets to make them look smart about the Hurricanes. Like, there's a lot of uh gems out there, I imagine, for people to go back and and read some of the discourse about Niederreiter when he was traded from Minnesota, where you know oh, he's washed up, he he's not worth it, the money he's making, he's not going to make a difference, well, blah blah this and that. And I was getting a lot of it from Wild fans, and I was just pointing out that. This seemed like a smart gamble for the Hurricanes to take purely from the perspective that, you know, he was a bit unlucky and it felt like the guy they were trading the other way didn't really present represent that much upside. And it seemed like a smart deal for them to make. And I got a lot of commentary from her from Wild fans going like, no, you're you don't watch enough Minnesota games to comment on the fact that the needle needle rider is not actually that good. And here you go. You put him with Sebastian Aho, and he blows up and he's pretty much at a point a game now in his, in his 20 games with Carolina.
0: Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, I remember the first day Niederreiter you got here, he said that, you know, GMs and coaches have their horses that they run with and it was clear that I wasn't one of them. But from the start in Carolina, Brendan Moore put him on the first line, put him on the power play and then moved him up to the first spot in the power play and he just like puts him out in overtime. He gets a game winning goal, like assist and it's just, he scores like two goals per game uh, on the regular. He already has... The same amount of goals he had with the wild, with the hurricanes now. And it's just like, it's crazy what a vote of confidence can do. And, um, A lot of Wild fans have actually followed me and they're like trying to keep up with Nino and they're very sad about this, but not in a mean way. Like they just (laughs) they want to see him succeed because he's a good guy. And um, Rousseau, who covers the Wild for the Athletics, it's the same thing. He's a good guy. And that's who the Hurricanes are looking for right now. And I know that's cliche and stupid. And you're like, oh, you're like and he's obviously a great hockey player, too. But they needed to build up some type of culture in this room. And now they totally have it.
1: Do you think a lot of Hurricanes fans are following in with the Minnesota Wildbeat reporters to see how Victor Rask is doing?
0: I mean, I think they feel sad about it because Rask was... I mean, I, everybody wants him to succeed, right. and he keeps getting derailed by injuries. He got injured again, poor thing, but um I think they expected him to be the kind of say not savior but like the solution to their uh center depth issue which they still need they're gonna probably fix it on the offseason or wait till um Marnie and Natchez can come up but I think they expected that out of him and he just wasn't uh, just, uh, just covered? Can, he, I feel bad but he like I don't think the Canes fans are keeping tabs on that or being I think they feel bad
1: yeah, I mean, I liked him as a prospect. Like, he had good junior numbers. He just, unfortunately, I, I feel like, and part of it might be the injuries he's had, but he just can't really skate well enough to play, like, a, a primary, at least top six role in today's NHL with how fast the game's gotten. It's kind of, it seems like it's passed him by a little bit. Like, I think he's got skills, but it seems like he's kind of like this player from a from a bygone era that would have been a lot better maybe, maybe 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he's a ni- it's a shame. He's a nice guy, like, he funds his sister's, Um, professional hockey career over in Sweden and he showed me Swedish house music so thank you for that Victor Rask but um, best of luck I don't I don't think anybody is keeping tabs on that
1: so a lot of the players that I want to talk about on this Hurricanes team with you um, are guys that I think like it's always tough for me to tell because I feel like, you know, you kind of as hockey writers and, and people who follow the game closely, we surround ourselves a bit in this bubble with people who are really diehards and really following the game very closely. And so I guess like from my perspective, it feels like everyone I talk to knows that a guy like Sebastian Aho or a Jacob Slavin are awesome players who do all these things remarkably well. But then I kind of take a step back a little bit and think about it. And maybe your casual fan who only, you know, who works a nine to five job and comes home and watches hockey for an hour a day outside of the market of Carolina might not necessarily be very familiar with them, but it seems like it is becoming that thing where it's like, everyone just keeps talking about how underrated Sebastian Ajo is. And then I look and he's like top 15 in scoring. He's on the highlight reels every night. And it feels like you really have to be like going out of your way, not to follow the NHL as a whole, to not know who Sebastian Ajo is at this point in time.
0: At that point it's on you. And I think, I mean, maybe the storm surge and stuff helped, but I remember a reporter in Boston last night asked, Oh, if like the bunch of jerks thing rallied them together, and he was like, "No, no, we've been good all season," and like, I love how blunt he is. Oh my god, he kind of uh, roasted me yesterday. But um, he he's like, "We've been good all season," and it's just true. And I think um, if you don't notice that, I get it because the hurricanes aren't always on, but you should watch their broadcast because their broadcasters are hilarious. But I. At this point, it's like I was looking at um, tweets or something because I used to cover the Bruins, obviously, and like I follow a lot of Bruins fans, and they were like, yeah, when you beat it, they were praising the Bruins for beating the tough Carolina Hurricanes, and it's like, okay, here we are now. Now we're at the point where everybody knows. Everybody knows Sebastian Ajo. He is a bona fide 1C, and he is scoring, I forget numbers. They're very good, but... Um, yes you should know him and you should know Jacob Slavin and it's not Slavin all the people on that make announcements in the press box every day. Mm. <laughs> like you should know his name.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you some of the numbers and I'll, I'm prepared. I, uh, he's top 15. You know, he's tied for 15th in points with, uh, with Mark Shafley. He's, uh, I had him 13th, I believe, in terms of offense created for his team right there with Brad Marchand and, and Jack Eichel. So he's right there in that sort of, you know, de facto superstar territory where everyone thinks of the top guys. And I know you talk about this a bunch. And, uh, for everyone, anyone that doesn't follow you, I definitely highly recommend doing so. But you talk about his conditioning and how impressed you are by it. And I did notice that especially since the all-star break he's playing like yeah. around 21 minutes a night and and I, and I it makes sense I mean he's a young guy so you'd expect that sort of ramp up in his game and in, in his responsibility but especially with these games becoming a mean more and more I, I love the idea of sort of relying on your top players and sort of living and dying with them and if you lose and they're out there that's one thing and you're not kind of going to be going home disappointed wondering what could have been if you could have gotten a guy like Sebastian Ajo out for another shift or two
0: well, you know what? It's funny because yeah, he's a young guy. Play him as much as possible, but Brenda Moore is his coach, and Brenda Moore played like twenty-four plus minutes a night when he was like in his well into his thirties. <laughs> and I think he just sees the same type of fire in Aho, no matter how old he was, in that he had in himself, and how much he hates losing. And I think that's what motivated Brenda to put Aho on the PK and make him. Every situation. There was one game he scored a PK goal. and It was his uh, hat trick, a PK goal, a even strength goal, and a power play goal. And it's just he leads the league. He's tied, but he leads the league in power and penalty kill goals with four shorthanded. And it's just like what? Like I was asking him a few months ago after his like second PK goal, uh, have you been working on the penalty kill? And he was like, actually, not at all. Like they just threw him on there, and he's just so well conditioned and I don't think people are expecting him to make capitalize on your mistake but he'll do it every single time and he was like pushing Chara yesterday and he was getting kind of physical too so I don't know like he's very impressive
1: he is very impressive i think he might actually and this might be a bit to his detriment and sort of what we were talking about in terms of the whole underrated discussion it might be he sometimes makes it look a little too easy and it sometimes it feels like people yeah. can kind of like take that for granted or, or sort of uh it looks like he's not even trying out there just because he, he is so effortless and so smooth in his game but you know that and the combination of making guys better and whether it's been michael Furlan or nino niederreiter or justin williams or whoever's really played on his wings seems to yeah. produce with him and, and that's sort of the the high benchmark with for me for uh when you've kind of reached that top yeah. level of superstar it's like anyone that plays with you is going to have a good time and produce and that must be such a luxury for a guy like rod Brindermore to know that even though he has that sort of set top line now with williams ho and, and nita rider he can rotate it if need be and put anyone with him and they'll still keep chugging along and that must be such a luxury
0: yeah definitely i mean i was talking to fernland about it just kind of God. like we're all realizing how good Aho is and how he hasn't even hit his ceiling and has more gears to go through. And he was like, Yeah, it's just like playing with Johnny Gaudreau They'll hound you, they'll yell at you. Right after you even got a goal or something, they'll be like, get back, get back. Like they're yelling at you. And just it's awesome to picture 21-year-old Sebastian Aho yelling at Michael Fraylin like that. That just really makes my life. But uh yeah, it's it's great for Brenda Moore. And I mean it's funny cause they aren't doing much different, but we would be having a totally different conversation about it maybe a month or two months ago. Cause they just were unlucky and they couldn't, they kept trying, but to no avail. And it like, I guess to me that really showed the element of luck in hockey and I don't know what else, I guess shooting selection, whatever, but they really bought in at the time. I remember talking to one of them about it and I was just like, you guys, like, after talking about all the bounces and stuff, I'm like, you guys really believe that? And he's like, no, totally. Like, I think we're just, it, we're due. And then they started scoring all these goals.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, they've they've been playing like this all year for people that have been watching. But I remember there was like a, a little bit of a road trip there early in the year. I believe they went into Minnesota and then they went i think it might have been a back-to-back they played at at winnipeg the next night and i forget like they might have won one of the games in overtime and lost one of the other ones but they completely just dominated both teams and had like 50 shots on on goal in both those games and just ran into some hot goalies but i remember watching those games and being like okay like this is a team we definitely need to take stock of just because even though the results aren't necessarily there yet like just the way they play sort of passes this eye test where there's just this like kind of like what vegas played like last year where there's just this relentless four check and they must be so difficult to play against because you can never really uh take a break just because they're never taking their foot off the gas pedal they're constantly coming at you and eventually that will lead to goals if you keep generating that many chances they have
0: yeah that's what the Bruins were actually saying last night but it's just funny because at the same time like all that and all that and all that but the fans are like we get it yeah we're sick of this because they haven't Gone to the playoffs in nine years. Like we get it, they they could be good. They're just unlucky. Make it stop. Make it end. Like it it was starting to seem like they were cursed, and there was like conspiracy theories about like their stats and stuff. Like, and I'm glad for like people involved in stats that this actually did work out because I was starting to think like. Are stats broken? Is there some stat (laughs) that is going to like? And I do think that they aren't the most, not to insult them, but they aren't the most talented team, but they do outwork everybody. And I was thinking maybe stats are right. They just need more skilled players. But I think it was kind of a regression thing. And also a young team learning how to be confident. And also Justin Williams deciding he's going to play like he's 27. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he's been incredible. It's remarkable to watch. It's kind of this like fountain of youth playing alongside Aho. But no, you're right. I mean, they clearly are. It does sound cliche, but it's 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 true that they are work out other teams and and sort of playing that that brand of hockey to make up for some of those talent gaps. But like I do caution it because sometimes those types of terms can kind of just get thrown out willy nilly. And in this case, it's like a functional. Hard-working system where like they're yeah. actually generating stuff with it and creating a bunch of loose pucks and really making it tough on opposing defensemen to get, get out of their own zone and stuff like that in the neutral zone. It's not just like throwing the body around for the sake of doing so while you're chasing the puck and giving up goals against. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Let's take a quick break here to hear from a sponsor and then we're going to uh, pick up this conversation on the other end of things. Sponsoring today's episode of the hockey PDO cast is SeatGeek. SeatGeek knows that getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of websites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust out there. And that's why SeatGeek's the way to go because they're going to do all the work for you. They're going to pull millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person and SeatGeek's going to get you close to their action for a great value. SeatGeek's designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever before. By searching multiple ticket sites and creating every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus you can shop with supreme confidence on SeatGeek knowing that what you pay for is what you're going to get because every purchase is fully guaranteed. So all of that is why you need to make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source from everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone and I've talked on this show plenty in the past about all the different events I've used it for. I, I don't think I'm going to get out to any uh, hockey or basketball games here in the next couple of weeks and months just because uh, business is really about to pick up with the postseason and the stretch run. But Next time I'm out in Toronto, uh, visiting the Yahoo office, I will make sure to go check out at least the Jays game or two. And when I do that, I'm going to go on SeatGeek because I know that it'll only take a couple clicks and a couple minutes and I'm going to get the best seats and everything is going to be taken care of. And as my listener, you actually get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase to sweeten the pot a little bit. So to get in on that fun, just download the Seeky cap and enter the promo code PDO today. That's promo code PDO for $10 off your first Seeky purchase. If you've been holding out and waiting to get in on the fun, uh, this is as good a time as any to do so with all the trade deadline out of the way now and all the new acquisitions and their new uniforms. There's a lot of uh, a lot of great Games to go check out and especially now that some of these playoff races are manifesting themselves there's uh, gonna be a new exciting atmosphere in all these buildings and tensions are gonna be high and so it's a blast this is the best time of year to be a sports fan so definitely go check that out and get in on it and make sure to let see geek know that we sent you with that said let's get back to the pdo cast okay um i was making a list of pros and cons for this uh hur- hurricanes team yeah i was you know i was trying to figure it out and obviously there's a ton of pros we already talked about Aho. we already talked about the goaltending i mean they're five on five play there's nothing really new to to cite there they're like a top three team in pretty much every single shot share metric and i think they're fifth and high danger shots so it's not like they're quote-unquote gaming coursey and just throwing the puck at the net from center ice but one, yeah, of, the cons, no one of the cons that i have is um their power play and I mean, I think they're, they're they're like 22nd, I think, in efficiency. I think they're slightly higher in terms of goals per hour. And it's not one of those things where it's like the Montreal Canadiens are 31st. And it's like, man, come come playoff series. If they don't figure this out, this is going to be a really big problem. But at the same time, when I do watch them, and I know I, you're probably sick of talking about him and sort of beating a dead horse at this point, And he gets probably you know, he takes, he's the whipping boy kind of, he takes a lot of, uh, the blame, even when he's not necessarily responsible, but Justin Falk. there is a bit too much Justin Falk for my liking. Just, <laughs> just, there's, there's, you know how people say there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. In this case, there's a bit too much Justin Falk in the kitchen. I feel like I need him to kind of take a step back and, you know, miss out on a, a course or two here. He doesn't need to be involved in everything.
0: Just sit this one out, yeah. mix in a water. But I, like, I, I agree with you. And I, like, but what is he going to do when they're like go out for three O on three OT? He's going to be like, uh, no thanks. um put Dougie in instead. Like, I like, I don't know why. I'm frustrated with that, and I understand why fans who have seen Falk play for years and now have a new Dougie Hamilton who's supposed to be like their best, whatever, who, who's supposed to be doing what Falk's doing, and they're like, why the hell isn't this guy doing? The thing, and they're probably mad about that, which I I totally get. But I think they're totally blowing it out of proportion. Like I, I, he got two back to back. I think not game winners, but he scored in the power play twice in back to back games, and he it was because he was using his wrister. But then he makes one bad play, which I think DeBrusque. It's actually a matter of DeBrusque making a better play in overtime and the end of the world, but I do, I get it. He's playing probably too many minutes, but what is he going to do? Like sit it out?
1: No, no, of course. It's obviously not. Um, I think sometimes I can kind of get mis- misconstrued the criticism. Like it's not clearly his fault. Obviously <laughs> it's like when a player signs a big contract and it's like, I can't believe this player would take the money. This team was just throwing at him and backing out the brink Like it's of course, obviously you're blaming the team and you're blaming the coach in this case. But I think there, there is, I mean, he's, I think only Sebastian Aho plays more, especially on the power play. And it feels like, yeah.
0: The power play is kind of like, come on, like I don't know I don't think it's the solution if you switch him and Dougie, but I don't think it will create a bigger problem. And at this point like but Brindamore's whole thing is like you're gonna give a guy a chance or something, but then it's like why aren't Dougie was playing well defensively in like a few not I don't think he did it <laughs> did it last game, but uh in a few games and it's like, Okay, give him a chance then on the first power play, but I don't think it's gonna happen. But I think it's more of a matter of the way they set up i don 't like it i don 't like the umbrella system and i but I get it because they have like so many um players with the same shot, so it's like it 's a really weird setup that they have to do but when it 's on it 's on when it 's off it's like oh my god, they're giving up another puck at the blue line. <laughs>
1: No, you're right. I mean, it's clear, like, his shot is is a weapon. I'm with you. I think, like, I'd like a bit more creativity there in terms of moving around and potentially creating some different shooting lanes, because it's like this, this whole idea of having just the big cannon from the point and just catering your entire power play setup towards, like, just teeing him up and trying to shoot from as far away as possible through a bunch of screens and bodies like seems like it's Did probably not, uh, not the best way to go about it when you have especially a guy like sebastian aho who the power play really should be running through at all times and like falk is 14th in power play shot attempts which i which kind of blew my mind like i know he plays a lot but whenever you have a guy like justin falk ahead of kucherov say again and dry like i feel like maybe the the power play setup needs to tone it down a little bit and maybe direct the puck in some different directions
0: Yeah, uh, I totally agree. But um, (laughs) I I agree with that. And I don't think it's really an issue of swapping somebody out for another one. But I get why not just, if it's not working out, why be stubborn? Why not just um, change somebody? But I do think when he was using his, the the last two that he scored in, he was using his wrister and it looked effortless and it looked easy. And um, I mean, just let him do that. I don't really know what the conversation is obviously with the power play squad, but it, I don't know. It's really hard to evaluate because they'll score, they'll go zero for five in a game that matters. And there's, they'll score like three for three. And it's like, what, what is even going on here?
1: Well, where are we at with Dougie Hamilton? We've kind of like, I think we've been kind of skirting around the issue. We've been talking about him a bit. And I think people, especially the start of the year, were very upset with his usage and his ice time. And it's come up a little bit. And I, th- I think the fact that the Hurricanes are winning and are so fun to watch and are in this playoff race now has sort of alleviated some of the that kind of consternation and people are a bit more cool with it. I imagine if they were losing more, people would kind of be pointing the finger and wondering again aloud what's going on, but I don't know, like
0: He's on the first defensive pairing. With, yeah. He gets to be with Jacob Slavin. That's an honor.
1: Yeah, it is. I wish I could play with Jacob Slavin. I'm sure he'd make me look competent. he's that good.
0: Yeah, but I think, now he's been playing awesome lately. Um, he has like it's just like clockwork with him in the first half of the season maybe he struggles to find his game a little bit but second half he plays well but I've been noticing it on defense too like it it's all clicking for him at once but I think he does the same he makes the same defensive mistakes as Falk that's why I think they're very redundant players like I think both of them would benefit being away from each other like on a different team because you only want one but it's it's kind of awkward I think but I think I think he's doing great and he's coming up pretty much when he needs to but um, I think they would both thrive more in a situation where they get to be that guy so I think like one of them has to go in the off season. But I mean, Dougie fits. I I hate when people talk about his character, like they know, like you don't know him. You can talk to him for one minute, every two times a week and act like you're going to judge his character. But I mean, I think he likes it here. I think he um, fits in and, is not it's not an issue. Like, none of that might have been an issue somewhere else. I think he, for whatever reason, is not an issue here.
1: Yeah, I think part of it is also just kind of like balancing expectations too. And I think I'm guilty of this a little bit myself because I remember like when they traded for him this summer, I was like, okay, finally, like he's going to play like 24, 25 minutes a night. He's going to be the top defensive defenseman on this team. His points are going to explode all of his offensive production and if you look at it like he's been playing the same as he did in calgary his underlying numbers are still through the roof he's scoring a ton of goals just because no one shoots the puck like him he's an absolute madman shooting it from the point and and so oh my
0: god i have a story
1: for you yeah give Um, give it to me
0: you know you know how uh, he has like 200 some whatever the largest the longest streak of shots in the nhl like he takes a shot a game he almost didn't do it a few games ago and like everybody was on the edge of their seats and then he did it with like less than two minutes to go and the whole bench was giving him like stick taps and they were like he got his shot
1: that's amazing that's like those like sellout streaks for teams that aren't actually like selling out they're just like (laughs) filling the seats with like random like <laughs> yeah. towels and stuff it's like dougie hamilton just shooting it with two minutes left keep the streak going no i mean obviously like like he's a great offensive weapon and i, I think his defensive game has certainly come along quite a bit especially as the season's gone along and i think it is yeah. some of that like people just like i guess if you prorate his stats on a permanent basis that they're, they're just as good but i think it's kind of people are just expecting more from him and i imagine this summer uh we'll see how these chess pieces sort themselves out but i imagine if a falk does get moved for especially for a forward this summer all of a sudden I wonder how, what the what the scuttlebutt's going to be like about him and whether people are going to let, let themselves kind of uh, get super-duper excited about it again and, and make think that he's going to be in the Norris conversation and putting up 50, 60 points a season.
0: God, like, I don't know. I think it's time to just temper your expectations. Like, I don't think... I think he does his job, but I think... I get why maybe he doesn't play a million minutes a night. Like, I think he does have, I've watched some plays where he kind of collapses on defense. And I guess somebody like Rod Brindamore isn't going to play a guy. Like I'm writing a I've been working on a story that he, how are they making it work? Because Dougie's like an offensive minded defenseman. And Brindamore mm-hmm. was like the poster child in the beginning of like a defense first forward. So it's like, how are they going to make it work? And I get, how the situation is happening. And I don't think like he's just going to do, Brendan is going to do what he's going to do. And I think Dougie's fine with it. Like, I, I think he's okay with it.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. I think, you know, we, we mentioned Slavin there and I, uh, I feel like if we're doing this podcast, we have to talk about him at least a little bit just because he, he actually does feel like one of those guys that, you know, I was talking about how Aho's not actually that underrated because everyone should know about him at this point. it feels like Slavin probably is still underrated just because the stuff that he does well, isn't necessarily sort of this like conventional, um, you know, amazing highlight reel stuff. But then there was like that play last night where he, he does make a mistake and he turns it over with a, with a shot to uh, Brad Marchand and he chases him down and he strips him with his, beautiful poke check on this uh shorthanded breakaway he was on without taking a penalty and it's like i just i was was just wondering like how many guys in the league could have executed that without taking him down without it being a penalty shot or at least like a hooking penalty and and it just he does that time and time again i feel like he has like one or two plays a night where he prevents a goal or does something ridiculous where you're like oh my god this guy is an absolute freak
0: He's like a poster child for what a shutdown defenseman should be. And he also has kind of a bomb of a shot sometimes. Mm But I think um, my favorite thing about him is when he slows down the game, like it will be getting too feisty. And then he's like, takes it the puck out back and he just is kind of like walking around and everyone's like, what is he doing? But like, I think people are like, (laughs) they're catching their breaths. And then he, kind of just runs it like a quarterback. I haven't really seen anything like that. And he can do the stretch patches, like everything. Also, when he makes a mistake, rarely, he will go, like you said, with the poke check, he'll immediately go make up for it. Like he's guilty or something.
1: Yeah, and, and how he gets away with, um, like, obviously, just like any defenseman, he's going to make mistakes and he's to turn the puck over. But, like, how he recovers from them is, is so remarkable yeah. to watch because I think in his career, I was looking this up, he's, like, he's taken under 20 penalties at 5-on-5, five five, even though he plays top minutes against the other teams' best players. And there's not really any comparables of defensemen who do that. Like, the other guys who don't really take penalties, who play defensive minutes are you know, Ryan O'Reilly and Sasha Barkov, but it's an entirely different set of responsibilities for them. And I love that. I think, especially in, in today's day and age, I think once upon a time people might've got on him for being soft because he has these low penalty minutes, but it's like, no, he just, he's just so good and so smooth that he doesn't need to hook and, and hold and take guys down.
0: Yep. And when he does get a penalty, he doesn't swear in the penalty box. He doesn't swear on TV because kids could be watching. He's just, just a, <laughs> Everything you want your kid to watch to grow up and play defense.
1: <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, obviously, he doesn't want to swear with, uh, with Svechnikov around. Obviously, that would oh be a very gosh, bad influence.
0: I, no, that's, like, Martinuk's son. Like, when, <laughs> they were fighting together, like, two games ago, and I was just thinking, don't talk to me or my son ever again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Like, it,
0: was, it was Svechnikov sticking up for Martinuk. I'm just like, you're 18, but he has, like, four arms of absolute glory and steel. And he, like, he is just, he's huge for his age. And he, I mean, he's not having the season maybe, like, you'd expect over – out of that draft pick, but he is on a line where he has been making plays and he's been doing his thing, but he they might not be able to capitalize on it. And that's just where they're at right now. But next season, when Natchez comes up and can be his center, like or he whatever happens in the lineup, he'll move up in the lineup. And Brenda Moore has really been working on his two way game with Spechnikov and Smechnikov wants to learn. So so bad and Brendan Moore can teach him everything. He's the first one on the ice and the last one off like every single day for like hours.
1: Well, and I think we've seen that. I remember there was that one game against like the Rangers, I believe at MSG where Brenda Bourne trusted him to be out there with the Empty Net and and when they were defending a lead, and we were like we see these types of uh, you know flashes or, or uh, responsibility divvied out to him that you don't typically see from a from an eighteen year old. And you're right, you I have mean to he's, remember he's
0: eighteen. It's hard because it looks like he like I don't even know, but.
1: Well, he's, he looks like a grown ass man. He looks like he should. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he looks like he, he definitely belongs. And I think that you're right. Once he starts playing with more skilled players that can take advantage of of his net drives and, and what he creates around the net. Like, I think that the numbers will come there. I think the shot generation numbers are uh, very encouraging. I think, you know, if there's one thing, it's he, he's been a bit sloppy with the penalties. But I mean, they, that's kind of uh, the norm for young players. Like I remember there was a year where Sidney Crosby in his rookie year, I believe, had over 100 penalty minutes and, you know. He's, yeah. he's toned it down and he learned how to play and he learned, uh, you know, some good things that came to Sidney Crosby eventually, so I think uh, there's, there's a <laughs> lot to be it. positive about. Yeah, no, who is that guy? Um,
0: <laughs> but uh, um, actually, especially God with the penalties, he... Brindamore's kind of not doing that on purpose but kind of letting him play through it so he gets to see like it's hard especially in international hockey like he's playing in russia and then he did play in the ushl but it's like he it's hard to adjust to that at the nhl pace and also like crosby the refs will actually call way way more and way less against you if you're a star rookie like in a top draft picks and that's actually a true thing so they're keeping that in mind but it's like it's super frustrating
1: it is but it'll come i'm, I'm, I'm still optimistic yeah. um yeah. is there anything else with this team that we haven't really talked about yet like i guess we can kind of look ahead to the postseason race and obviously like it's it's pretty jam-packed there right they're sitting currently third in the metro but there's like four points either way they're they're just behind washington and islanders but then they're tied with Pittsburgh and Montreal and then Columbus is right behind them. So it seems like someone's oh, going to get easy. Yeah. Someone's going to miss out that, that that is a good team and it might be the hurricanes. But I, I noticed like, you know, the, I think Dom had them at uh, 85% to make the playoffs. And I think Micah has them at 81%. So it seems like, especially with their underlying shot profile, like people are very encouraged by them, even though I did notice they have a pretty tricky schedule with uh back to backs coming up to end the year.
0: Yeah. But as Brenda Moore said the other day, that's a myth that the that back to backs are harder to play against he, he was like that's a myth somebody made up i don't know where it came from and then somebody else was like media and he was like yeah maybe you guys get tired with your traveling schedule and you can't stay on your game but we're fine and then i looked at the stats and i think they're 8 3 1 on the second half of back to backs like they are now maybe 9 i don't even, like i'm actually writing a story about that so check it out on the athletic in maybe friday mm-hmm. just about how they deal with their back-to-backs on the road. But that is one thing that doesn't worry me about them. I also think they're a young, hungry team that's, like, they thrive in those situations. I think they do worse when they have, like, a few days in between.
1: Yeah, I think I think back-to-backs are definitely probably uh, overblown. I guess the one thing that we do have the numbers on is that, like, goaltenders struggle in the second of back-to-backs. But just considering how they've been rotating McElhaney and yeah. Kasek, that seems like they're pretty well-suited for that not to be a problem as opposed to some other teams that might be relying on their starter to play like 70 games a year.
0: Yeah. It's like a college hockey tandem. I haven't seen anything like this since college hockey where they played back-to-backs every weekend. And that And like, I do think this team reminds me of college hockey and like not to insult them. They're like elite talents, but in some ways it reminds me of college hockey where they take a million shots and like kind of hope for the best. And also the, <laughs> the back-to-back goaltending and stuff and I think obviously Rod played college hockey and I think I like to think that maybe he he also doesn't rate lines like first, second, third and that's what they did in college hockey too so I I like to think that there's some Michigan State influence on that man
1: I that's going to definitely be the title of, of this episode take a million shots and hope for the best <laughs> i like
0: it oh, um just well, a friday night
1: yeah exactly well the thing is then they also do kind of i guess kind of control their own destiny right because they have two games against the penguins two games against the capitals they play both columbus and montreal so like controlling your own destiny it's gonna be a lot of uh a lot of tense moments i feel like but this this is this is the uh you know i think hurricanes fans are gonna be excited like they haven't had this yeah. type of uh sort of stimulation and excitement in their lives in a long time so it's pretty cool to to be having it this year finally
0: experience came to hockey i love the fan base so much i think they are so self-aware like there's not really i maybe because it's a um relocation team that hasn't been in an area for 500 years so it's like the fans are maybe younger or like i don't know but i have some old older subscribe senior subscribers to the athletic and they're just so they just get it I don't know what it is, probably years of existential dread, but I just shout out to them because it's the best fan base by far I've ever dealt with.
1: Do you find that um, that covering a team in, I guess, like a smaller market or, or quote-unquote non-traditional hockey market, like do, you're, do you feel like you're getting uh, better access or sort of they're a bit looser with the rules in terms of letting people talk to you and sort of what comes out and how much they have fun with it as we've seen in the post-game celebrations and all that sort of stuff?
0: Well, I think also the PR, uh, Mike Sondheim and Pace Segster are always in like the running for, there's like a PR award at the end of the year and they're always like, that's for a reason they're the best, but um, definitely it's different, right? Because there's like three or four reporters for the Hurricanes and there was like 70 Bruins reporters. So it's it's no disrespect to the amount of access you get somewhere else, but I think there's also an understanding, like, I'm I'm not, like, somebody who's out to get you or <laughs> something like that. Like, I want to write about Cavendon's brewery. I want to write about, like, Sebastian boy genius. Like, I I will be critical, and I've had conversations with some people in the Canes, and they're like, no, like, yes, if we're going to be a legit hockey team, yes, we want to be covered. And that is it's been great basically like the access is awesome but also i am kind of feeling more confident and being able to use that access to my advantage and part of it's working at the athletic now and another part is just kind of being in a smaller market but yeah i mean things like the storm surge it's like they that would not happen in boston but (laughs) it's great here
1: yeah, well, speaking of being critical, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing from Eric Tulski about where we messed up and and uh, what we went wrong and sort of an analysis. He likes to uh, he likes to critique me after the podcast. Um, listen, this is a blast, sir. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Uh, I, as I mentioned, it's bittersweet that this is happening. The year I wasn't super duper high on them, but I'm glad it's finally happening, and uh, it's a big win for numbers nerds everywhere, and, and for hockey fans. This is a, uh, regardless of sort of this like pushback from curmudgeonly people about uh, what they're doing after the game and stuff. Like the NHL needs more of this, and the more teams that are having fun with it and enjoying themselves, and, and realizing this is just a game, the NHL is going to be better off for it. So hopefully this uh, starts a wave, and if it really is a you know a, a copycat league, maybe some other teams down the line will start doing stuff like this as well
0: we'll see thanks for having me on
1: yeah plug some stuff what uh what do you what are you working on what are you working on these days and where can people check out your work
0: um i'm working on two pretty exciting stories right now um, basically what it's like i travel with the canes obviously so like on a back-to-back with the canes during this kind of like crazy time so i'm gonna kind of give a behind the scenes about how they've managed to be so cut in the back-to-backs and also like what it's like, because there are a lot of schedule changes and things like that. And then I'm also working on kind of a behind the scenes of the broadcast because it's, it's a pretty interesting one. If you haven't heard it, uh, John and trip, John is, they're, they're just the best. They're, I don't think people get to listen to them enough because it's the canes and they aren't always on like, and on the prime time or whatever, but should check him out like there's one trip tracy talking about his ex-girlfriends john forsland being the straight man and then he has a million catchphrases that he uses perfectly it's just a great time uh so those are two things in the works
1: yeah i, I love john obviously we uh nationally get him a bit on nbc broadcast yeah. sometimes and that's a blast and hopefully we'll get more of him in the uh in the postseason and maybe even for uh, covering hurricanes games. so i'm looking forward to it um sarah thanks for taking the time and we'll definitely get you back on down the road
0: can't wait thanks for having me
1: cheers before we get out of here i did want to ask for a quick little favor from all the listeners uh if you could take a minute out of your day to go and leave the PDO cast a glowing positive uh rating and review on itunes that'd be greatly appreciated there's been 417 of you so far that have left reviews and a lot of them most of them are five stars um and i love to see that and i love to hear from you guys so you know you can just leave a nice little review there or you can reference some sort of an inside joke from the podcast or, or what have you. Um it all counts the same. It's all greatly appreciated and all goes a long way towards ensuring that the PDO cast continues and thrives and stays atop the uh leaderboard on the iTunes sports and recreation charts and that's what we're striving towards. So please go and do that. And if you haven't yet, um the PDO cast is also available on Spotify. Uh that's exciting news. I use Spotify a lot to listen to music and I venturing over there for podcasts now and it's kind of making it easier to have everything in one location so if itunes is in your jam if you're not using stitcher google player or whatever people are using to listen to podcasts these days go check out spotify uh they've got a really nice layout a really good catalog of all the shows we've done so far and so you can go back and listen to all of them and uh subscribe so that you know when new shows are out and so yeah it's a great little spot to get all your podcasts so please go do that as well and with that said we're going to get out of here we're going to uh listen to the outro music um and we will be back i think sometime early next week we've got a couple exciting shows planned there's obviously a lot going on now with the playoff races and the postseason just around the corner and i've got some fun guests lined up and so i'm looking forward to that and until then um thanks for listening to today's episode of the pdo cast and let's get that outro music finally twitter at dim filipovich and on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash